It's not love that makes people deny Christianity. It's lack of it. And now for the seed of love. I'm thankful. And before I came up here, I know I heard it several times from this side. Just thank you. And I'm thankful. How are y'all feeling, Ark? All right, I don't think that was enough energy. How are y'all feeling, Ark? Okay, okay, okay. I'm thankful for the people around me that have been considerate. I'm thankful for the people around me that have provided me with opportunities that when coupled with God's preparation for me, equal success. I'm thankful for the people around me who smile whenever I hold a frown. And even if you have no one in your life that fits this description, you know that you can know God. You know that even if there isn't a person who fits this description, God can be fitting it for you. Now, the type of person I'm describing can be described with a word, and that word is loving. Today's message was originally going to be about the essence of evangelism, love. But then I realized that this power of love goes beyond intentional evangelism. And it can even bring people closer to Christ or prepare them to accept Christ in day-to-day life when we don't even intend to speak the word to them. So today is about love, which I am especially thankful for. Now, seeing as this is Thursday, you already know the drill. We've got to start with some humor. What kind of man was Boaz before he married Ruth? Answer, he was ruthless. (laughs) So in the modern day church, what we're seeing is a lot of Christians going away from the church. But even before then, we're seeing a lot of Christians that don't see it as their own responsibility to share the word of God. All right, let me start from the beginning here. Just 10% of Christians in 1993 who had shared about their faith agreed with the statement, converting people to Christianity is the job of the local church, as opposed to the job of an individual, example, themselves. Now, 25 years later, three in 10 Christians who have had a conversation about faith say evangelism is the local church's responsibility, nearly a threefold increase. We're seeing Christians, as in 1993, 89% of Christians who had shared their faith agreed this is a responsibility of every Christian. Today, it's just 64%, a 25-point drop. So in the modern-day view of Christianity, many Christians are seeing as less and less important to actually share the good news. Yet as Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Or in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, back in the beginning, I said I was thankful. And God encapsulates love the best. And there's a statement that I got from a song. It's, it doesn't matter where I am. It matters who put me there. And I see this frequently because God will send us through trials, yet they're for our benefit. And God will send us through trials, yet he doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't disband us. He's with us through the trial. That's assuming that you go where God sent you. See, I can give an example of this. A recent story a week ago, my uncle James was planning on going down to Cambridge to see Harvard's campus. And he asked me if I wanted to go as well. And I'll tell you straight up, I wanted to go. (laughs) Anytime I'm going to travel, though, I pray on it. And usually I'll hear fairly explicitly a yes or no. And depending on the time which I pray, the answer could actually change. Yet for this specific instance, I prayed several times over the span of two days. And each and every time I heard no. Now, once that I hear yes, I had even thought that maybe if I hear yes once, I can discount all the no's. But not once did I hear a yes. If I would have went there, I can't say what would have happened. Because as far as I'm concerned, I would have been in a place God told me not to be in. See, as I stated and learned from that song, it doesn't matter where I am. It matters who put me there. And when we put ourselves in places that God does not ordain, the results, (laughs) we can only hope God has mercy on us for Now, what does this have to do with love? Again, God is love. Evangelism is declining. Now, let's couple evangelism with love. I say this because while love is not the truth, it makes people more willing to accept the truth. It's a lot easier to agree with somebody that's loving on you than to agree with somebody that's rude. They got an attitude. They're telling you these facts as though you can't discount them. And I don't care what you say. You're going to listen to me. Now, it's a lot easier when you love somebody. And we see a lot of times that Christians can even fall out of faith because of Christians or people that were soon to accept the gospel turned off the good news because of somebody giving it to them, somebody that was supposed to be living in Christ. Hmm. It's not love that makes people deny Christianity. It's lack of it. Hmm. I love that. (laughs) First John 4, 7 through 12 states, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Hmm, Ain't that beautiful? Love. It shows as a sign that we have Christ, that Christ lives through us that we are reflections of Christ's love. I mean, even in John 13, 34 through 35, he states, this was Jesus, by the way. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What happens when we don't do that? As I said, this can lead to less disciples actually coming to Christ because how is God love? 
You are supposed to be a representation that you serve this God, yet you express hate. Before we can get people to receive the truth, we need to connect to them. We need to love them because, again, it's much easier to agree with somebody that's loving on you than hating on you. And I mean, we're only human, but still, we should love, okay? And again, even though we're only human, things change. Now, let me tell you about Colossians 3, 7 through 11. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. We're only human, yet Christ changes us. We're only human and the power doesn't come from us alone. We're only human and yes, it's our nature, but what is impossible with man is possible with God. Hmm. Love, don't hate, the essence of evangelism. And you may ask, what is love? 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7 tell us exactly that. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Even when people show hate to you, you should still love them in return. I mean, that's what Jesus did. Forgive them for they know not what they've done. Jesus loved everybody. God loved us all. That's why he sent his one and only begotten son. And we're supposed to be reflections of them. Even when people are wrathful towards us, turn the other cheek. Hmm. Even if somebody hates you, you can still try and hug them. Even if somebody hurts you, you can still try and help them. Because this act may just make another disciple of Christ, make somebody else who then returns the favor to another by expressing love and living by example, as well as telling the story of where we got it from, that is the essence of evangelism. See, Luke 6, 28 through 29 even affirms this. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. It ain't easy. And it sure is not our nature. But again, we are reformed through Christ. We are reformed through Christ. I say it's beautiful. It is oh so beautiful, especially to see expressed. And whenever we don't see it expressed, well, we see regression in the church. And let me tell you why. Now, there was a study by Lifeway Research, and it was about why people leave the church. They found that 66% of young adults who attended a Protestant church regularly for at least a year as a teenager quit going for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. The most common reasons were moving to college, 34% of the time, church members seeming judgmental or hypocritical, 32% of the time. No longer feeling connected to the people in their church, 29% of the time. Disagreement with their church's stance on political or social issues, 25% of the time. And employment obligations, 24% of the time. There are two things I want to highlight here. 
church members seeming judgmental or hypocritical, as well as no longer feeling connected to people in their church. Tell me this, anybody that you've loved, everybody that's loved you, when they were in the action, was there a connection? If we consistently love others, do we connect with them? Because it's important to connect with somebody before you exchange the good news. This is life-changing. This is for the sake of their soul. That's eternity. Hmm. Love is a connection. And even people that had once accepted Christ, when the love was not kept up, seemingly faded away. We are the body of Christ, connected, and we could be considered the joints. But when a joint doesn't do their part, when a joint doesn't want to support, the connection weakens. And church members seeming judgmental or hypocritical. Now, I did preach a sermon on this called A Call to Action, Assess Yourself. And it's on the topic of judging. But there's one thing that I want to include here. And that's John 7, 24. ESV states, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Now, don't get me wrong here. Some things are sinful. And again, while only human, we will have faults. That's why we come together with like-minded individuals for wise counsel to correct us when we get off track. Yet sometimes, instead of judging, we condemn. And judging and condemnation are very far from the same. Hmm. Righteous judgment can be acceptable when it's done with love, with the intention of reinforcing an individual's bond with Christ, correcting a wrong. If somebody's driving the wrong way on the highway, it's not wrong to point that out. It's not wrong to honk your horn like, hey, bro, turn around. (laughs) They could very well end up in an accident. But what the problem becomes when you do it in a very aggressive or malicious way, say you see somebody driving the wrong way on the highway and you decide, you know what, I'm going to slam into them so they learn their lesson. That sounds outrageous as I heard Eric react, but that's how it can be. People can react to things they don't agree with, with such maliciousness, with the intent to condemn that it's almost as though you're trying to run them off the road entirely. And as Matthew 7, 2 states, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now we're all human. At times, any one of us could be driving the wrong way. And how do you think that person would feel if they were rammed into? It probably wouldn't be a pleasant experience. See, righteous judgment can be a nudge or a call out to move in the right direction as opposed to absolute condemnation. Because everybody sins, everybody falls short of the glory of God. You were still supposed to love. Come as you are and then be changed by the time that you leave. Hmm. Our glory is truly unto God. And see, sometimes we won't even see the fruits of our love. I have a story and it doesn't end with somebody being saved, but it ends with somebody being changed. It was a couple years back and I was playing a game I played fairly frequently back then, a game called Brawlhalla. And I joined my friend's party. He had a friend in there who I didn't know. They were playing ranked 2v2s and they were losing back to back to back. And the person I didn't know started to get very mad, very wrathful. And at the time I was calm, I was trying to create peace. I was telling him, hey, bro, calm down. This isn't going to help you play better. Just move on and you'll get them next time. Just to summarize what I was saying. And after they lost a couple more times, his wrath turned away from the losses to me. He said, you know what? You do a lot of talking for somebody that's not even playing. (laughs) I was trying to promote peace, but he wasn't with it. So he said, how about you 1v1 me and then we'll see. So we went by my standard rules of best of three, play all three regardless of the first two matches. 
And the first match, as I hadn't been playing, I did lose. And I lost by a good amount, too. He was still talking like, yeah, yeah, you were doing all that talking. Yet you're not even good. You can't be talking to me. And then the second game came and the tides turned. I won. And he was like, okay, you got lucky. This last game, I'm going to get serious. I'm going to play my main. And in Brawlhalla, I tend to play a wide variety of characters. I usually go random. So his main character was like 15 levels higher than mine. And I simply prayed hmm, that the Holy Spirit would guide me. And that third match, the outcome, as you could probably suspect, I won. And I won by a pretty good margin. And his mood changed significantly. As a matter of fact, he apologized. He had actually calmed down after being checked in a sense, but in a loving way. I didn't reply with ferocity to his animosity. I replied with love. The first two games, I said, good game. He didn't reply. The third game, he finally said, good game back. Hmm. See, if I would have left after the first game, I would have never saw the results of my love. If that's all you saw, you would have never seen it. The second game never saw the results of the love. What we did see was, all right, okay, yeah, you got one on me, but I wasn't even going all that in, right? But it was the third game when I finally saw the harvest reap, where his anger was finally put out. It turned to peace and apology. See, you don't know what role you may play in somebody's life. You could be preparing them to have a seed planted, loving them as a Christian, and they think, hmm, That's not so bad. And the next time a Christian comes to approach them, they think, hmm, I remember this one person who loved me. I don't remember what they said, but as Maya Angelou once said, well, she probably said it multiple times, but as Maya Angelou said, they may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And when you love somebody that lasts, hmm, you don't know what role you will play, but your love lasts. Whether you plant the seed, prepare for the seed to be planted, water the seed, All I'm trying to tell you is this love lasts. And when you combine it with truth, it can be received. Because again, love is not truth, but it makes somebody much more willing to accept it. Hmm. Love is beautiful. And when you combine it with evangelism, you get the essence of evangelism. The goal is to get people to turn to Christ. But if you can't connect with the people, you will never get their minds to listen. You will never get their hearts to receive. But love makes the door open. Love lets you get souls, save souls, because this isn't about today. This isn't about tomorrow. This is about the grand scheme of eternity. And when you love people, you don't save them, but you get them to accept a savior who can save them for eternity. Now, what is the good news? I have a sermon on this too, titled, It's a Gift, if you want to listen further. But the good news is Christ dying for our sins, all of man's sins that we have an opportunity to be saved. Because for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, that whosoever may believe in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. As Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 ESV states, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Hmm. Gift of God. Hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. And then Romans 10, 9 through 10. If someone asked, well, how do I receive this good news? States, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Love is truly beautiful. 
And it can be our small actions that prepare somebody for a seed. Simply something as small as a compliment. I don't know how many compliments y'all have received today, but from my perspective, I think it's been zero. (laughs) A single compliment can truly stand out. A single compliment can represent that love in somebody's life that they need to open their heart. Because some people's hearts are callous. People have been hard to them. You may have to try and reach somebody with love that hasn't been loved by Christians in the past. The very people that are aiming to save them are the people that did them wrong. The very people they're supposed to be a part of the same body with pushed them away. It's interesting. And the loving person I described earlier is the very person that you can be. If any of y'all have been harmed in your past by people that were a part of a church, Keep in mind, that doesn't have to be you. You can be the very change you want to see in the church. You can be the very person that you needed whenever you were growing up as a Christian. Hmm. Because that very person, somebody else likely needs to. And as I stated, it doesn't matter where you are. It matters who put you there. And your very struggle that led to triumph could be so that somebody else doesn't have to go through all of that. Changing the very church that you're in. When you see somebody being done wrong, you can point that out. Hey, brother, that's not love. But what we're here to do is love. Love is the essence of evangelism. But love extends oh so much deeper than that. God is love. And when we express it, we can make people more willing to accept God. Love is powerful. And you can be a loving friend, my family. This is my sermon today. Make sure that you love somebody. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled The Seed of Love by George Bronner. This message is number 6578. That's 6578. But listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6578 to a friend. Go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh,